You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. All right, this is Real Presence Live. Uh, Have you registered yet? Have you registered for the Eucharistic Conference September 23rd and 24th? Again, that's at FargoDiocese.org forward slash redeemed. FargoDiocese.org forward slash redeemed. Check out that website. We were speaking earlier today uh, with one of our speakers, Dr. Mary Healy, who's going to be with us uh, for that event. Many other uh, great speakers. Um, So check out the website, FargoDiocese.org forward slash redeemed. All the information is available there, and make sure you register. We're also now going to talk about another opportunity. Uh, We were talking about men's ministry earlier. Now we're going to talk about women's ministry with Ashley Nia. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this? How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. I thought you brought your your son with you this morning. How is he doing? He's doing okay. He skipped his morning nap, so he looks a little out of it. Ah. So how is that going to work out this afternoon? It'll be fine. A longer nap? Yeah, probably. Does mom get a nap? No. No? (laughs) Not yet. When, when he's 12 or 13, then mom gets a nap. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Ashley, you um, are working at Holy Spirit. Tell us a little about your position at Holy Spirit. I am the coordinator of catechesis, so I work with the first through fifth grade, and then also a little bit with their catechesis of the Good Shepherd program. All right. And before that, you were my predecessor at the Diocese of Fargo, working in evangelization. Talk I, about that. I, I was. I worked there for five years, and before that, I worked for a parish doing DRE work and youth ministry, and before that, I worked for the Diocese of Fargo again, so I just kind of boomeranged back to the diocese. You just circle around the church doing great work. Try to. Yes, well, that's the best we can do, right? So you're, uh, we're going to talk to you this uh, hour or half hour about a retreat that you're doing um, uh, based upon St. Therese of the Sioux. but I want to back up, and why would you choose St. Therese of the Sioux uh, to do a retreat? Well, actually, the first time I encountered her, I was in undergrad, and my grandma had given me a copy of Story of a Soul. So I was like, okay. So I read through it in about a weekend, and I finished it and thought, meh, and I wasn't really impressed. So I put it on the bookshelf and just kind of forgot about it for a few years. But then later on, I picked up her letters, and as I was reading through her correspondence with her family, with her friends, I just really resonated with her spirituality and her friendships and their sense of humor, and I just really felt like I was a part of their family, and it really just spoke very dearly to me. And then later on, when I was getting my master's, I ended up writing my thesis in catechetics on St. Therese, and in particular, her as a doctor of the church, because to be declared doctor of a church, you have to have something called eminent doctrine and has to be accessible to the universal church, not just a particular group. But uh, within that, it's how do you explain the faith? How do you explain the new depths and insights? So I looked at her methodology of how did she form her novices? How did she explain the concepts that she had come to, and there's that. And then later on, I was working for the diocese, and my coworker Mary Hanbury asked if I would ever do a retreat on Therese, just because I have an ongoing love of her and her family. So, specifically for yourself, what stands out about? I mean, and you know, universally, she's a doctor of the church, but specifically, how does she strike at your heart? Uh, about what? What? What about Saint Therese of the Sioux strikes at your heart? A handful of things. One, she is absolutely hilarious if you really look at what she writes. But on the spiritual level, I love how her spirituality is so practical. I would say that she and maybe St. Ignatius of Loyola and his rules of discernment, they give you just the principles of how do you become a saint in a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis of making those little choices of recognizing God at work 
in every circumstance, every interaction that you have. And it's her spirituality is really just a training of the will, if you look at it, of how do I choose to love in this case and in this interaction, and which helps us to grow in virtue, which helps us to do those more heroic acts of love and service and sacrifice. I can remember listening to Dr. Army Bishop Barron talking about St. Teresa of Lisieux one time, you know, reflecting on, on what you just said, Ashley, that you know, initially his thought was, well, okay, this is kind of simple, kind of beneath me. But then as he, as he read it and reflected again and picked it up years later, the beauty and the depth and the simplicity and the practicality of it all was, was just very humbling to him to, to be able to see how that can be applied to everybody's life. You know, I think it's one of the profound things that stands out to me. She's also considered uh, the patron of mission, of missions and mission work, except for she left her, spent her entire life living in a cloister. How does that make any sense, Ashley? She actually had a deep devotion and she wanted to be a missionary. She actually wanted to be in a Carmel, uh, in the far East. And eventually she wasn't chosen because of her poor health. So she was assigned to be kind of a pen pal to a couple missionary priests. So she would support their ministry through her letters, but then also part of the Carmelite vocation is praying for missions, praying for priests. And they're the, the foundation of prayer and sacrifice that gives the fruitfulness to the active missions. And so she had this desire to be a missionary, and it wasn't actually fulfilled until after her death. So she was declared co-patron with St. Francis Xavier in 1927, I believe. And so he was like the active branch of missions, and she's the, the foundation of prayer. Isn't that a beautiful image of the church, right? The different parts of the church. And though you think, I'm not doing that work because I'm not doing that work doesn't mean that you're not doing that work, right? <laughs> it's kind of a sense of the Lord does things that we have no idea what he's doing with the little thing we, we do. And like coming back to that present moment, that's what I do love about uh, St. Therese of the Zoo and St. Ignatius, that living fully in the present moment, you know, really embracing the gifts, the graces of that present moment. Why would you, why would you walk away from these, these graces that are available now? It's kind of like, you know, it's grass is always greener on the other side of the pasture or you know the fence it's just like no it's actually really green right here i don't know why you're walking away from this um so just a great invitation and you did a retreat uh back in august um for well back this we're still in august i guess this is the end of august two weeks ago um a women's retreat uh based upon saint therese of the sioux tell us what a little bit what that what does that retreat look like what's kind of the format the the style well uh, it's called on retreat with therese because we asked the women to think of Therese as their retreat director, of her walking side by side with them and leading them closer in the relationship with Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. So the format and the structure, there are a handful of conferences throughout the day and throughout the weekend of different elements of her spirituality. Some of them are more of the, the principles of it, and some of the workshops or conferences are more like workshop-based, where they get to go and they get to pray of, okay, now what does this actually look like in my life? How can I live out this principle in my marriage or in my school or in my neighborhood and things like that? So they get a lot of chance to reflect on, okay, what does this actually going to look like and how can I live it out? So there are conferences, there are times of prayer, they can go to confession, there's daily mass, there's adoration throughout the weekend, and they will have an opportunity to go uh, visit uh, a priest for spiritual direction, Father Jason Miller is going to be the priest on retreat. And just a time to rest with the Lord. And one of the aspects of it that the women weren't aware of when they came the first retreat is we ask that most of it is in silence. 
And so they can talk at the beginning, they can talk at the very end, but during the conferences and throughout the day, we ask that they would be silent. And one of the reasons is because Therese was a Carmelite and they lived their life in silence. And the reason for that is just to be open to the Lord, to be receptive and attentive to how he works in the littlest ways. And on a practical level, it's really hard for a lot of us to sit down in prayer and focus. We have that period where we're just distracted and all the things are running through our heads. And so just to take a weekend, just to step back and to focus on the Lord and help us to sort through all those things that normally distract us and just to see how he wants to work in the little ways. We do a silent retreat annually as part of our, our deacon formation, and I look forward to it. I'm already looking forward to it in January. And how, what was your feedback, Ben, from the, the people that attend, the ladies that attended? The silence part in particular, right away, some of them said, I never would have come if I would have known it was a silent retreat, but I'm so glad I did. So if there's anyone out there that's thinking like, oh, I like Therese, I might want to go on a retreat, but I don't want to do a silent retreat, I would ask that you just give it a chance, just to give the Lord a chance it's not as painful as it sounds. It's actually very beautiful. Um, yeah, I went, uh, my first silent retreat was, um, I went on a retreat with my wife before she was my wife. Uh, we were dating. She says, you need to go on a silent retreat. Like, oh, no, 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 that's not my thing. You know, I don't, I didn't, I don't want to do retreats either at that point. But um, so we went and it was, the first day was very painful um, b- because of the fact that because I wasn't speaking, all the thoughts in my head just stayed in my head. And so I felt like my, my day was so busy with my own thoughts in my head running around and around and around. And like, uh, how, these have to go somewhere. I, have to, I can't talk about them. Um, until that, you know, and, and the retreat master was saying, share those thoughts with Jesus. Talk to Jesus about that. So I'm like, okay. Okay, well, he's probably not interested in what's going through my head, but I'll talk to him about that. And it was really, it took that, it took that first day, even just to get my mind to quiet down and to refocus on, oh, this is, I'm going to focus on a relationship with Jesus. And then the next day, you know, so every day, it was like a three-day weekend, or you start on, on a Friday, go all day Saturday, and then into Sunday, so it's considered a three-day retreat. But it was about halfway through the second day where suddenly I was like, oh, wow, my brain just settled down. I can now hear him saying something back. You know, it's, but it took that amount of time. It took like a full day of silence to finally, you have to kind of empty your brain from all the things in life. It makes me think of a gentleman who said, you know, when I go on vacation, I, I go on vacation for 10 days because it takes me three days to separate myself from work. Then I go on vacation and then three days before I get back, my mind starts going back, going back to work. So I, I, I have to have 10 days so I can separate. The same thing in a silence, a retreat. You have to have that time to get your brain to quiet down from all the things that are going, retreat from the things that are going on in the world. So Christ can speak to you, so you can hear him, so that you go back. And what I always think is funny, coming back from a silent retreat, the talking. Man, we just blah, 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 blah. We have so much to say <laughs> after you've been quiet for three days. Uh, just a great opportunity, but it feels like a great reset. I, I, so I do, actually, the only retreats that I go on now are silent retreats. Just because having experience, I'm like, wow, there is something here. Um, so don't be afraid of that. It might be, feel weird at first, um, and that's okay. But uh, there's that, the Lord fills that silence, but you have to give him that space. And that's actually one of the uh, reflections, kind of more modern reflection on John of the Cross, where we're kind of, we're trying to get to the Lord. We're trying to find him, where we kind of have kind of our machete, and we're trying to climb up the side of the mountain and chopping away to get and make a path to the Lord. In the meantime, the Lord is above us, hovering in a, in a, in a, in a helicopter, more modern thing, obviously. He's hovering Above us, and a helicopter saying, "Why don't you just 
open up a place for me to land. Rather than trying to make a path towards me, I'm right above you. Open up just a spot for me to land. And that's kind of the thing of science. You've got to open a space for the Lord to land. And when you open that space, you'll be surprised. Uh, folks, we're visiting with uh, Ashley Nya here about a retreat, St. Therese of the Zoo. She has another retreat coming up here in October that you can sign up for. We're going to talk more about that on the other side of the break. Uh, this is Real Presence Live. Don't go anywhere. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. In addition to eye exams for children and adults, Lumen Vision provides custom contact lens services for patients with keratoconus, severe dry eyes, and hard-to-fit prescriptions. These specialty contact lenses can be made for single vision, astigmatism, and multifocal prescriptions. For more information about Lumen Vision's contact lens services, our website is www.lumen.vision. Hi, this is Mark Holcraft. And this is Dr. Joseph Holcraft. You know, Mark, Jesus asks 307 questions in sacred scripture. He has asked 183, of which he only answers three. What's the business with all of this questioning going on in the Bible? Well, Joe, there's a lot there, and we'll be ready to take that on. Tune in to hear about these questions and more on Awaken every second and fourth Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central here on Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And we are back. Steve Splonskowski here along with Tom O'Keefe. And we're talking to Ashley Nia. And we are talking about St. Therese of the Sioux, a retreat uh, that uh, Ashley did in August. Uh, very well received. Uh, a lot of people had great uh, great responses to that and are continuing their relationship with the Lord, uh, journeying with St. Therese of the Zoo. And there's another opportunity for you to join. This is a women's retreat, so sorry, guys, don't sign up. We won't let you in. October 7th through 9th, this is for women only. Um, and October 7th, and it's going to be in Hankinson, I believe. And uh, you can sign up if you go to the diocese website, which you already know because you already signed up for the Eucharistic conference, right? You already went to fargodiocese.org forward slash redeemed and signed up for the Eucharistic Conference that's coming September 23rd and 24th. Now you can go back to fargodiocese.org forward slash evangelization 
And under retreats and workshops, you can sign up for the Therese of the Zoo retreat, October 7th through 9th. There's only a couple spots left, I'm pretty sure. And they kind of, you know, people sign up and then they have to reevaluate. So there's a couple spots that have opened up because people had conflicts. Um, so if you uh, are looking for a beautiful retreat to focus on the spirituality of Therese of the Zoo um, with Ashley Nia, she will be there October 7th. So sign up for that again. org forward slash evangelization and then retreats and workshops. Um, let's talk a little bit more about, so we have, you know, the, the women who are going to be coming to this retreat, right? There's going to mix them. There's going to be single women. There's going to be married women. There's going to be uh, maybe some, some widows, just a range of people, except for what the, what is the connection here? Therese of the Zoo, I mean, she was a nun. She's never been married. She's never raised children. She's never been a widow. Um, and she lived in in a Carmelite monastery. She, she, she doesn't know anything that these, these women know, right? <laughs> well, what we found and what I found through just reading and research and talking to these women is... Therese gives us a lot of principles, but all those principles can be applied to any vocation. So a lot of the feedback that I got from the women, which this past retreat we had people in their younger 20s, and then there were older 70s-ish, and every vocation in there, well, there weren't any religious sisters, but they were single and they were married. And I had one woman say, one woman say, I wish I would have heard this 18 years ago because it would have totally changed my marriage. And another woman said, I wish I would have known this because it would have changed how I related to my children as I raised them. And someone else who had children who left the faith, they said this would have been great of just how do you pray for those who've left the church. And what I found as a mother myself and a wife, Therese talks a lot about how we need to be humble and realize how little we are, how weak we are, how much we struggle, but how powerful God is and how he can do anything. It's just those two Bible verses of Jesus saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. But we have to look at that verse in light of the other verse in uh, St. Paul's letters of, with Christ, I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. Like those two together, like I can do nothing apart from Jesus, but I can do all things with him. So Therese really pushed into that of, yes, we're weak, we fall. We might aggravate our spouse. We might make a poor decision when we're raising our children. But God helps us through his grace to pick us, pick ourselves back up and to just try again, to just try to be faithful in those little moments, those little acts of love, those times when someone just says something that grates on your soul because it's so annoying. We need to ask for the grace of, Lord, how can I love this person in this moment? Like, how can I treat them as I would treat you? How would you treat this person and how can I grow in charity and love in all circumstances, whether I'm washing the dishes or whether I'm in a Carmelite cloister or driving in the carpool or whichever? Well, I think it's a, we talk, Therese of the Zoo, her, she was a very emotional her early life. She talks about this where she, everything, she was hurt by everything, every little move. And it was like the Lord kind of healed that wound in her heart so that she could then see these things from a different light. And I think that speaks to all of us where... I am can be very much offended by something somebody says, even if they didn't mean it that way. And I, you know, kind of having that that courage. I guess you said the kind of the training of the will to stop and go, hold on, Lord, how should I look at this? How do you want me to see this? How do I love in this moment? Um, what's the what's the response of charity in this moment versus the emotional response that I just want? I just want to cry now, you know, whatever. Because somebody said something mean, and she tells about you know that story where the Lord helped her, um, kind of heal that wound of a over. Over emotional. I know that's not the word she uses, but oversensitivity um, to things people say. 
Yeah, she actually called that moment the major conversion point of her life, which, for those who aren't really familiar with her autobiography, she was mysteriously, um, well, ill. That's a different story. Sorry. Uh, there was one Christmas, they had this tradition where her father would put candy and things in their stockings, and they would come home from Mass, and then they would have these treats and gifts. And she was pretty old, she was 14, and she heard her father say in the other room, like, well, at least this is the last year we have to do this. And normally, she said she would have broken into a fit of tears and been very, very hurt by this. But she felt the Lord strengthening her interiorly, and she felt something had changed. And in that moment, she said God's grace had healed that woundedness in her, and it really shaped the rest of her life in the sense of she was able to take a step back and see things from God's perspectives, just to have the wisdom of the Lord to say, okay, this is really hard right now in my perspective, but how does the Lord see this? Like, how does how does he want me to experience this? And not just in my in my struggle, but... Like, what is the bigger picture here? And that's one of the brilliant things that she gives us is the ability to just step back and have that bird's eye view of the particular situation or interaction. Yeah, I think. And their their family itself was also an an example of of a a faithful family and and, uh, how to to live that out. So much so that her parents were uh, beatified later. Yep, and now they're saints. Yes. So we have Louis and Zelie Martin, the parents of Therese of the Sioux, uh, the, that, not the entire family, but that portion of the family, all beatified saints, uh, which actually can go back to talking about, right? You know, Therese of the Sioux, she was trained by her parents. You know, m- much of the, the example of her parents probably led to her growth and sanctity. Very true. And also her sisters, her sisters are very holy. So one of the reasons I really love their letters is because you can see how the devotions of her sisters, like Pauline, who became Mother Agnes later on, how she would talk to Therese when she was preparing her for First Communion, how we can offer the Lord little sacrifices and little gifts, and she called those things flowers that we can offer the Lord. And Therese really took that imagery of flowers and developed it to a much higher degree. But it was within those interactions and conversations and letters with her family members that they really developed this spirituality together. And they, just like iron iron sharpens iron of... She couldn't have gotten to where she ended up without the influence and perspective of her family, too. It's such a great image of how the family should be and could be that we all, you know, we could all be beatified saints um, and helping one another become these beatified saints. Even if we're not beatified, we all can share in that gift um, of, of, of just greatness, of, of um, grace and of holiness by supporting one another. Uh, it's such a beautiful beautiful witness very true and even there's one sister in that family her name is leonie she's kind of the problem child they had just all sorts of issues with her throughout the years for there's a lot in the backstory of that but eventually she did end up joining religious order and became very very holy to the point of the cause for her canonization is open to in so wow that's awesome well ashley nia uh, thank you for being here with us this morning you're welcome. Thanks and, for having me. Yeah, and folks, again, if you want to sign up for that women's retreat on October 7th through the 9th, dioceseoffargo.org forward slash evangelization. Under retreats and workshops, just a couple spots left. Uh, check that out. Again, thank you, Ashley. Okay, we're going to throw the microphone over to Rachel, and she's going to give us a update on what's coming up on next on Real Presence Live. On the next Real Presence Live, Tuesday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, your host is Nick Madelsky. He'll be talking with Bill Lemire about helping to rescue vocations. And Zach Rawson will be sharing about a group to ignite the fire of faith in young people. 
All this and much more is coming on the next Real Presence Live Tuesday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. I have class. Anatomy and physiology, live and lecture. Yeah. What do you love about what 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 are you studying for, Rachel? I am in a paramedic program. Oh, really? Yeah. Excellent, excellent. That's wonderful. Service. That's all about service. Yeah. And right now she's serving us by running the board and keeping things moving. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. For that. Yep. All right. Uh, so Tom, what's what's the rest of your day look like? Well, I need to go back to work. Yeah, spend a little time at the shelter. Um, working on a couple projects and grants. Yeah. Mass at five fifteen. All right. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, it's uh, just an opportunity, folks, to take, hopefully, uh, maybe just take one thing from our last two hours together here or how long, however long you've been with us um, to reflect on the Lord's goodness, uh, especially in the present moment. I, I am so struck by this in my own life that I feel like it even goes back to, Tom, when I, when I pray the rosary, um, the glorious mysteries, I love the mystery of the resurrection because there's so many beautiful scriptural stories with the resurrection where, you know, Christ appears to Mary Magdalene. He appears to to Peter. Uh, It even mentions in scripture that he appeared to Peter, but they don't say anything more about it. So there's like a total opening where you can go back and do Alexio and reflect on how he appeared to Peter. Uh, St. Ignatius talks about, well, of course, the person he would have appeared to was Our Lady, his own mother, as he has erected, resurrected, he appears to the apostles numerous times when they're out, they're out fishing. Just so many great stories. And then you've got the ascension. And like, I don't like the ascension because it feels like that's the end to the resurrection. But it's actually, that's the pinnacle of the resurrection is the ascension. Without the, the ascension, we would, the gates of heaven would, no longer, would not be open to us. Christ had to open the gates of heaven for us. And so without the ascension... Uh, the, the, the journey isn't ended. You know, in the, so it's like kind of this, I feel like in my own life, you know, really just kind of focusing on that invitation of this is the present moment, and we have to be present to the Lord and allow him to be present to us. Yeah, I was just reading last night about, about the ascension and talking how that, most people see it as the end, but it's not. It's how he, he truly becomes present to us in our lives every day through the ascension. So go out, bring Christ to the world, and be aware of his presence at every moment today. He is present to you every moment of the day. He wants to join with you. This is Real Presence Live. God bless. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network.